Good day, and welcome to the Steel Dynamics first quarter 2021 earnings conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After management's remarks, we will conduct a question and answer session, and instructions will follow at that time. Please be advised that this call is being recorded today, April 20th, 2021, and your participation implies consent to our recording this call. If you do not agree to these terms, please disconnect. At this time, I would like to turn the conference over to Tricia Myers, Investor Relations Manager. Please go ahead. Thank you, Daryl. Good morning, and welcome to Steel Dynamics First Quarter 2021 Earnings Conference Call. As a reminder, today's call is being recorded and will be available on our website for replay later today. Leading today's call are Mark Millett, President and Chief Executive Officer of Steel Dynamics, and Teresa Wagler, Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer. The other members of our senior leadership team are joining us on the call individually, and we are all following appropriate social as we are all following appropriate social distancing guidelines. Some of today's statements, which speak only as of this date, may be forward-looking and predictive, typically preceded by believe, expect, anticipate, or words of similar meaning. They are intended to be protected by the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995, should actual results turn out differently. Such statements involve risks and uncertainties related to our steel, metals recycling, and fabrication businesses, as well as to our general business and economic conditions. Examples of these are described in the related press release, as well as in our annually filed SEC Form 10-K under the headings Forward-Looking Statements and Risk Factors found on the internet at www.sec.gov, and if applicable, in any later SEC Form 10-Q. You will also find any referenced non-GAAP financial measures reconciled to the most directly comparable GAAP measures in the press release issued yesterday entitled Steel Dynamics Reports Record First Quarter 2021 Results. And now I'm pleased to turn the call over to Mark. I'll start again. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> hey, I had you folks on mute. But uh, welcome to our first quarter 21 uh, earnings call. We certainly appreciate you joining us today. I believe the entire Steel Dynamics team delivered a tremendous first quarter performance. It was filled with operating and financial records, including record net sales, operating income, and adjusted EBITDA. It was an extraordinary performance yet again, driven by the dedication and passion of our teams. I'm incredibly proud to work with each of them. They're a special group accomplishing exceptional things. Due to the continued commitment of our teams to one another, our families, and our customers, we continue to operate safely amidst COVID-19. Operations have continued essentially unabated. We continue to closely monitor the situation and adapt as necessary to ensure our team's health. The health and welfare of our teams is our highest priority, and I thank each of them for their continued commitment to our safety. Because record results don't matter unless everyone goes home safely at the end of each day. The number of injuries and their severity improved in the first quarter of 21 compared to last year. The teams are focused on reducing hazards and practices that could result in significant injury. Nothing is more important than the health and safety of our people. Safety is, and always will be, our number one value. Our safety performance continues to be significantly better than industry statistics, but our intent will always be to drive towards zero incident work environments. To achieve this, we must all continuously aware, be aware of our surroundings and our fellow team members, keeping safety top of mind to control safety, both in the traditional sense and as it relates to keeping one another in good health. 
Before I continue further, Teresa will provide insights into our recent performance. So, Teresa. Thank you, Mark. Good morning, everyone. I want to add my sincere appreciation and congratulations to the entire Steel Dynamics team. As Mark said, we achieved numerous milestones and delivered a record first quarter performance. We achieved record revenues of $3.5 billion, derived from near record quarterly steel shipments, record fabrication shipments, and strong product pricing across all of our operating platforms. We achieved record quarterly operating income of $594 million and net income of $431 million, or $2.03 per diluted share. And we had strong cash flow from operations of $262 million with a record quarterly adjusted EBITDA of $664 million. Truly an extraordinary performance. Our first quarter 2021 results included costs of approximately $20 million, or $0.07 cents per diluted share, associated with the construction of our Sinton, Texas flat-rolled steel mill. Excluding these costs, first quarter 2021 adjusted net income was $445 million, or $2.10 per diluted share, above our guidance of $1.94 to $1.98 due to stronger-than-anticipated March steel shipments, as order activity remains very strong. Our first quarter 2021 revenues of $3.5 billion were 36% higher than sequential fourth quarter results, with growth from all of our operating platforms, and most significantly from our steel and metals recycling operations, based on record flat-rolled steel selling values and strong shipments. Our first quarter 2021 operating income was $594 million, $335 million, or 130% higher than sequential fourth quarter results due to higher realized flat-rolled steel pricing more than offsetting increased scrap costs. As we discuss our business this morning, you'll find we continue to see positive industry fundamentals for the remainder of 2021, and we are confident in our forthcoming unique earnings catalyst. For steel operations, we generated $641 million of operating income in the first quarter, more than double fourth-quarter sequential earnings, as flat-rolled steel selling values increased significantly to record levels throughout the first quarter, driving expanded metal margins. We also saw expanded margins within our long products operations based on higher prices. First-quarter steel shipments of 2.8 million tons were 6% above our sequential fourth-quarter volume and only 25,000 tons less than our quarterly record set in the first quarter of 2020. Our steel mills operated at 93% of their capability during the quarter, well above the industry average of 77%. As a reminder, we still have additional market share opportunity based on our existing annual steel shipping capability of over 13 million tons. And when we finish our new Texas steel mill and it's fully online, we'll have over 16 million tons. As domestic steel production increased, scrap demand strengthened in the first quarter, resulting in significantly higher scrap prices and resulting metal spread expansion. Operating income from our metals recycling operations was $54 million, nearly 100% improvement sequentially. The team continues to effectively lever the strength of our vertically connected operating model, benefiting both our steel and metals recycling operations by providing higher quality scrap, which improves furnace efficiency, and by reducing company-wide working capital requirements. Despite record first quarter 2021 shipments for our steel fabrication segment, first quarter operating income was $10 million, compared to sequential fourth quarter earnings of $25 million. 
Lower earnings were the result of metal spread compression as higher average selling values were offset by significantly higher steel input costs. As evidenced through our record shipments, record order backlog, and extremely strong continued order activity, lower first quarter earnings is not reflective of a weaker demand environment. It is a matter of timing as higher steel costs are being matched with a six-month order backlog in which joist and duct prices were lower. This will begin to reverse in the coming months as current steel joist and duct prices have increased considerably. Our cash generation continues to be strong based on our differentiated business model and highly variable cost structure. During the first quarter of 2021, we generated cash flow from operations of $262 million. Operational working capital grew $411 million during the quarter, driven by higher customer account and inventory values due to increased pricing and shipments. During the quarter, we also invested $310 million in capital investments, of which $254 million was invested in our new Texas flat-rolled steel mill. For the remainder of 2021, we estimate capital investments will be roughly $650 to $700 million, with the Texas Steel Mill representing about $535 million of that amount. This estimate does not include spending for construction of the recently announced four flat-rolled steel coating lines. We believe the lines will cost between $400 and $425 million combined, and we will likely fund between $50 to $75 million for engineering and down payments late this year. The lines are currently planned to begin operating sometime in the second half of 2022. In February, we also increased our cash dividend 4% to $0.26 cents per common share, based on our ability to consistently generate strong cash. Since 2016, we've increased our cash dividend over 85%, and it invested $1.3 billion in our common stock, representing over 15% of our outstanding shares. We have $444 million that remain authorized for share repurchases. These actions reflect the strength of our capital foundation, consistent cash flow generation, strong liquidity profile, and the continued optimism and confidence in our future. We're in a position of strength with liquidity over $2.4 billion at the end of the quarter, comprised of cash of $1.2 billion and our fully available unsecured revolver of $1.2 billion. Our capital allocation strategy prioritizes responsible strategic growth with shareholder distributions comprised of a base positive dividend profile that is complemented with a variable share repurchase program, while also being dedicated to preserving our investment grade credit rating. We're squarely positioned for the continuation of sustainable, optimized long-term value creation. And we believe sustainability is a part of our long-term value creation, and we're dedicated to our people, our communities, and our environment. We're committed to operating our business with the highest integrity and have been since our founding. We produce steel using only electric arc furnace technology with recycled ferrous scrap as the prim primary raw material. EAF steel production technology currently has the least environmental impact, is the most cost-effective, and provides the most operational flexibility. With the addition of our MELS recycling and fabrication platforms, we intentionally developed a vertically connected operating model, creating an almost closed-loop manufacturing business, which both benefits us financially and reduces our environmental impact. In 2020, we shared our qualitative climate-related goals in our most recent sustainability report. This summer, 
We also plan to adopt quantitative goals to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, participate in greater renewable energy use, and continue to invest in energy efficiency opportunities. We're currently in the process of assessing the use of renewable energy alternatives at our steel mills. Our sustainability and environmental impact strategy is an ongoing journey, and we're moving forward with the intention to make a positive difference. We plan to continue to address these matters and to play a leadership role in developing innovative ways to reduce our impact on the environment. For those of you that use our detailed shipments for the flat roll products for your models, in the first quarter of 2021, we had hot rolled and P&O shipments of 774,000 tons, cold rolled of 149,000 tons, and coded of 996,000 tons. And on a personal note, I just want to continue to thank the teams uh, for operating safely and for taking uh, care of one another from a health perspective as well. Mark? Taking our operating platforms in turn, the steel fabrication platform delivered a strong performance, achieving record quality shipments while navigating rapidly escalating steel input costs. Higher steel costs compressed first quarter steel fabrication earnings due to a matching six-month order backlog to more current steel prices. However, based on the strength of steel joist and deck in demand, we are currently placing orders at record prices. Our order activity is extremely strong. We ended March with a record fabrication order backlog that is over 50% higher than our previous peak. The non-residential construction market remains strong, especially in areas that support online retail, computing activities, and healthcare, specifically represented by construction of large distribution and warehouse facilities. Due in large part to changes in consumer behavior, we believe this dynamic will continue for the next several years. We already have steel fabrication facilities located throughout the U.S. and in Mexico, providing us with an advantaged broad-based customer supply chain. In order to serve increased customer demand, we will be expanding our production capability. For us, it's not necessary to add physical assets. We simply will be providing jobs to additional team members to support increased operating hours, thereby further improving asset utilization. These new crews will be trained and become active between now and late summer 21, increasing our annual production capability by as much as 25 to 30%, or over 100,000 tons. Our metals recycling operations had an extremely strong quarter with quarterly operating income of $54 million, nearly doubling sequential fourth quarter earnings and over five times higher than prior year first quarter earnings. Strong ferrous demand and increased pricing related to higher domestic steel production drove strong performance. Prime scrap index pricing increased over $170 per gross ton during the first quarter. Prime scrap generation is strong based on North American manufacturing. We expect North American scrap generation to outpace increased demand from steelmaking in 2021. Obsolete scrap generation has also been strong post the extreme February weather conditions. Based on continued solid scrap generation, we believe scrap pricing will remain somewhat steady during the rest of the year. As Teresa mentioned, the steel team had an outstanding quarter, achieving numerous operating and financial records. We achieved near record shipments, just 1% less than our first quarter 2020 record, 
and up 6% sequentially. We achieved record quarterly operating income of $641 million, over 10% higher than our previous peak. So many contributed to these incredible achievements, including our commercial teams, our other operating platforms, suppliers, and especially our loyal customers. While the domestic steel industry operated at an increased utilization rate of 77% during the first quarter, the strength of our differentiated business model, combined with the passion of our people, drove our steel production utilization to 93%. Steel demand is strong across the steel platform, including both flat and long steel products. However, the flat row steel markets remain especially tight. Underlying demand for flat row steel products recovered much more quickly than expected in the second half of last year and gained further momentum in this recent first quarter. When coupled with historically low customer inventory levels across the supply chain, flat row steel prices have been supported at historically high levels, and customers are placing orders for immediate demand requirements. They have not built rebuild inventories since the speculative risk associated with the accumulation of higher priced inventory is a significant deterrent, even if it was available. Additionally, we believe current legislated steel trade policies will continue to moderate steel imports. The current U.S. administration has also commented constructively concerning trade parameters and the issues with China. From an end market perspective, the automotive sector has experienced the strongest recovery operating at very high production levels due to low inventories coupled with strong consumer demand. March's seasonally adjusted production represented almost 18 million units and inventories were close to 30% below the five-year average. We've been fortunate that our automotive order book has not seen any significant impact from the current electronic chip shortage. The non-residential construction sector remains strong with continued positive momentum as evidenced by record structural and rail division shipments, record steel fabrication shipments, and strong customer backlogs. We expect this strength to continue through the rest of this year and certainly into next year. Residential construction has also been strong, producing high demand for related HVAC and appliance products. In addition to supporting high non-residential construction demand, the growing online retail shift is supporting steel demand strength throughout the supply chain service providers, such as truck trailer and material handling. We're also seeing healthy demand from mining and yellow goods customers at our engineered bar products division. In the energy sector, solar is a substantially growing market, and we're also seeing some indications of improved oil and gas activity. We continue our successful track record of margin enhancing differentiated growth. We have ex executed numerous strategic investments across the company in the last several years, and we continue to position steel dynamics for the future. Our teams and our customers are extremely excited about our Sinton, Texas Electric Arc Furnace flat roll steel mill investment. It represents a transformational step function increase in steel dynamics through cycle cash flow generation capability. It provides next generation electric arc furnace steel production capabilities new products, and new customers. The facility is designed to have product capabilities beyond that of existing electric arc furnace flat row steel producers, competing even more effectively with a higher carbon emitting integrated steel model and foreign competition. 
It provides us with a broader steel portfolio and provides our customers with an even larger climate-conscious supply option. The team's momentum is unbelievable and to be admired. We have an incredible depth of experience in the construction, startup, and operation of large steel manufacturing assets. Collectively, we likely have more relevant experience than any other company in the industry. And construction is going extremely well. The new 3 million ton state-of-the-art flat row steel mill will include two value-added coating lines comprised of 550,000 ton galvanizing line with galvalume capability and a 250,000 ton paint line. We plan for these two value-added coating lines to begin operating by the end of the second quarter of 21 using flat row substrate ahead of full operations. Our Sinton Electric Art Furnace Steel Mill is adhering to the same stringent sustainability model as our other steel making facilities, utilizing state-of-the-art environmental controls and processes to produce high-quality, sustainable, lower-carbon steel. Our steel mills have a fraction of the greenhouse gas emission and energy intensity of averaging, uh, average traditional steelmaking technology. The town of Sinton provides a strategic location near Corpus Christi. We have three targeted regional commercial markets for our new steel mill, which represents over 27 million tons of relevant flat roll steel consumption in the southern and western United States and Mexico. We also plan to effectively compete with steel imports. Our customers are excited to have a regional flat roll steel supplier. We have four customers committed to locate on site, representing over 1.3 million tons of annual processing and consumption capability. We're still speaking with several other potential on-site customers, as well as those that are building facilities off-site, yet near our campus. Our location provides a significant freight benefit to most of our intended flat road customers. Compared to the current domestic supply options, we believe the potential customer savings would be at least $20 to $30 per ton, and some would be much higher. Coupled with much shorter lead times, we can provide a superior customer supply chain solution. It also allows us to effectively compete with imports, which, is, which inherently have long lead times and speculative price risk. We have also made considerable progress concerning our raw material procurement strategy. We completed the acquisition of a Mexican scrap company last August, which was a critical step for us. The acquisition complements our current metals recycling business in both the U.S. and Mexico. The operations are strategically located near high-volume industrial scrap sources throughout central and northern Mexico. They have an estimated annual scrap processing capability of almost 2 million gross tons. We also acquired three small scrap locations in the Houston and Corpus Christi area to help serve Sinton's raw material needs. Our performance-based operating culture coupled with our considerable experience in successfully constructing and operating highly pro profitable steel assets, positions, positions us incredibly well to successfully execute this transformational growth. As we've said before, we're not simply adding flat roll steel production capacity. We have a differentiated product offering, a unique regional supply chain solution, a significant geographic freight and lead time advantage, and offer an import sustainable alternative to a regional in need of options. We've also recently announced plans to add four additional value-added flat row coating lines, comprised of two new paint lines and two new galvanizing lines with galvalume coating capability. Galvalume 
products represent the fastest growing flat row steel market in the United States, primarily serving the metal building industry. This market has historically sourced as much as 45% of their needs from foreign imports. Our preferred cost-effective supply chain has resulted in our existing lines consistently running at full capacity through both increased consumption and market share gain. Two of these lines will be located in the southern U.S. region to, comp to be comprised of a new paint line and a galvanizing slash galvalume line with a combined annual coating capacity of 540,000 tons, requiring an estimated inv investment of $225 million. These lines will provide Sinton with similar diversification and higher margin product capabilities as our Butler and Columbus flat roll steel divisions. The remaining two lines will be located in the Midwest and will also be comprised of a paint line and galvanizing line with galvalume capability with a combined annual coating capacity of 540,000 tons and will require an investment of between 175 and $200 million. These lines will support our regional flat row steel operations, providing them with more value-added product diversification to serve our customer needs. We currently believe these lines will begin operating in the second half of 22. Our strategy consistently places value-added products and supply chain differentiation at the fore and has benefited us well, both through good and poor markets. In closing, our culture and the execution of our long-term strategy continues to strengthen our financial position through consistent strong cash flow generation and long-term value creation clearly demonstrating our sustainability and differentiating us from our competition. Our amazing teams provide the foundation for our success. I thank each of them for their passion and dedication to each other and our other stakeholders. To each of you, please remember that your health and safety is always the most important issue at hand. I thank you for all you do. Your spirit of excellence drives us to success. With that said, Daryl, would you please open the, uh, the floor for questions? Thank you. If you would like to ask a question, please signal by pressing the star key followed by the digit one on your telephone keypad. If you are using a speakerphone, please make sure your mute function is turned off to allow your signal to reach our equipment. If you press star one earlier during today's call, please press star one again to ensure our equipment has captured your signal. Also, we ask that you please limit yourself to one question to facilitate time for everyone. Any additional questions can be addressed upon re-entering the queue. Our first questions come from the line of Satish Kazanathan of Deutsche Bank. Please proceed with your questions. Yeah, hi, good morning, Mark and Teresa. Uh, thanks for taking my questions. Uh, uh, so uh, my question uh, is on the flat-rolled uh, steel pricing. Uh, in the past, you have indicated that the flat-rolled uh, steel pricing typically lags by uh, two months based on your mix of spot or index-based contracts. Um, given the external lead times, delivery delays, and maybe changes to the contract mix, uh, uh, what would the lag be in terms of today's market? That's a great question, Satish. So um, in the first quarter, generally, we're somewhere between probably 55 to 60% contract business in any given quarter related to just our flat roll operations. 
but because of um, the way the contracts have minimum and maximum volumes, um, in the first quarter we actually had uh, probably a little over 70% of our mix was contract related. So it was more than we typically would have. However, going into the second quarter, you're likely to see that moderate back to a 60 to 65%. And so we, we think it'll get closer to what we normally see. Uh, and the lag is generally around two months. Okay. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, just one follow-up question, uh, if I may. Uh, uh, at Sinton, uh, do you have like a target uh, base load for the mill? Uh, and in terms of ongoing discussions with other customers, uh, could you be able to quantify what the potential incremental volumes could be compared to the 1.3 million tons already committed? We had of the the customers that have committed to be on site. There's there's four um, in place today that represent just over 1.3 million tons. We're currently having discussions with at least um, two others. Mark, I don't know if you want to comment on the additional volume that may come with that or not. Well. We would anticipate, I think, uh, at the end of the day, with uh, seven customers on site, it's been absolutely incredible, the, the excitement that we've seen. Uh, and we've been very, very intentional as to the the, the, the type of customers, such, such that we have a, a, a broad spectrum of processing capability. So light gauge processing capability, heavy gauge hot band, um, you know, automotive, and also uh, uh, Pipe consumers and other uh, other fabricators. So I, I would imagine uh, at the end of the day, again, that that 1.3 million tons will grow. Uh, again, that's not all consumption. Uh, a lot of it is processing capability, uh, but it, it should end up being perhaps 1.4 million tons by the time we're done. And just to add to that, Satish, um, we've actually had several customers that were not able to, to locate with us on site because of. Um, area constraints, et cetera, but there are those that are moving um, contingent or contiguous to the site. So there is a lot of um, excitement among the customer group. Oh, great, thank you. Thank you. Our next questions come from the line of Seth Rosenfeld with Exane BNC Paribus. Please proceed with your question. Good morning. I'd like to follow up please with regard to Sinton. Um, can you provide any update or more details on the ramp-up schedule for the facility and when exactly you would expect to reach full utilization of 3 million tons? I think last quarter you noted downstream lines began ramp in late Q2, upstream early Q3. Uh, any update on those figures, please? Certainly. Uh, I think that the downstream lines, uh, as we've said in the past, will come up uh, uh, before the, the, uh, the hot side. Uh, but the paint line, the garb line, and, and pickle line, we believe will stop commissioning in June with some limited shipments beginning in, in July. I think generally volumes uh, will be a little constrained uh, through those three lines due to the you know, strong SDI backlog right now and a, a limited availability of third-party volume. You know, It was our anticipation some time ago that we would be transferring tons down there. But again, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a good and a bad situation. Uh, our mills are absolutely jam-packed uh, with, with orders. And uh, again, it's, it's tough to get third-party supply. But those will be commissioned uh, on, on time, and we'll start to see uh, incremental shipments in, uh, you know, in the third, uh, third and fourth quarter. Now, the hot strip mill, 
obviously it is of prime prime importance to get that, that up and running. Uh, that will be commissioned uh, in September, uh, and I would expect uh, shipments to com commence in uh, Q4. And one has to recognize that as, as we start the mill up, uh, we'll be also having to, to, to build uh, working process inventory. So not every ton sh produced will be uh, will be shipped, uh, but I would imagine volume to be around 150 to 200,000 tons for uh, for the fourth quarter. For 2022, the the expectation is still to ship around about 80% uh, of eventual capability, so uh, somewhere between 2.2 to 2.4 million tons. And Seth, from a full utilization, you know. As we run Columbus and Butler um, basically at, at full or over full capacity, we don't see any reason why Sinton couldn't achieve that in the in the 2023 timeframe. Thank you. Just to follow up with regard to the 2022 guidance, is the view that you'd be at that 80% run rate on an annualized basis by the end of 22 or calendar 22, you expect that 2.2 to 2.4 million ton out the door? No, we, we would expect 2.2 to 2.4 million tons of actual shipments. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you. Our next questions come from the line of Emily Chang with Goldman Sachs. Please proceed with your questions. Good morning, Mark and Teresa. Um, my first question is, is just around sort of the capital capital allocation strategy, you know, as you have the startup of Sinton quickly approaching and, and coupled with what looks like a phenomenal year for steel prices, how should we be thinking about, you know, longer term capital allocation policy? Should we be expecting more growth spend above and beyond the coding line investments that you've recently announced, or will there be maybe a more meaningful pivot to shareholder returns? Well, I think generally uh, our cash allocation strategy has been uh, pretty consistent over time and will continue to be so. You know, we'll still be focused uh, on retaining a, uh, a conservative perspective regarding balance sheet structure and, and liquidity, you know, to fully support our, our uh, investment grade profile. Um, you know, our, our through cycle cash generation capability will remain strong and obviously with Centen and with the additional uh, projects will uh, increase dr dramatically. Um, and I think the the uh, the, ex the exciting thing is, as, as you point out, uh, we're, we're going to have a lot of cash to allocate. Um, we'll continue growth. You know, we've announced our, our four uh, new lines again, uh, a little sort of ahead of our own uh, sort of time frame to help diversify that that uh, that, that mill dramatically along the lines of Butler and, uh, and Columbus. But there will be significant cash remaining after that growth. Uh, we'll continue to have a positive dividend profile, cash dividend profile. And as you've seen in the past, uh, when we have a step function increase in through cycle cash generation capability, we do quite a, a meaningful bump. So I would expect uh, that to happen uh, you know, in, uh, in the future, in next year. And obviously, to um, uh, to supplement that that uh, shareholder return, we'll continue to to look at share um, share buybacks. I would just add, um, so there are transactional opportunities as well, and so um, we are you know a growth company, and so there is the organic side, which I think you know Sitton represents the largest project, um, 
um, that we've had. But as you think about transaction opportunities, whether it's in manufacturing businesses that utilize our steel as a raw material input, or whether it even be you know, steel production assets, perhaps, um, that's something definitely if we can differentiate the business and improve the business and, and add a lot of value, we're still very interested in things like that as well. That, that's very helpful. And if I can squeeze in a quick follow-up, just on the infrastructure plan that's uh, being floated right now, any sort of early thoughts on what that could mean for steel demand longer term and, and, and your views as to whether or not there's sufficient capacity uh, to meet this longer term? Well, it's, it's difficult to tell exactly uh, what that uh, sort of incremental volume is. You know, you, you see, uh, you know, three, four million tons uh, being bantered around. I, I can't say that we've we've fully, fully analyzed that, uh, but obviously there will be improved demand. Uh, there's obviously a, a major sort of clean energy aspect to it. Uh, so solar, uh, I, I think, will help uh, uh, help steel consumption, help uh, demand, and certainly our activities at uh, Steel West Virginia are already benefiting uh, from that. Um, I think beyond the actual um, sort of steel uh, consumption perspective, you know, just the the overall and uh, economic benefit from from that uh, and from from other stim stimuli, you know, the economy is is going great guns today, and it's just going to keep it going. So it's it's, it's an exciting time. Fantastic. That's really helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Our next questions come from the line of David Gagliano with BMO Capital Markets. Please proceed with your question. Okay, great. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, I just was wondering if you could switch gears to uh, you know, kind of current market conditions and, and, and looking ahead a bit here. Um, obviously, we've got this extremely tight uh, market, record high prices, lead time still extended, and we've seen a lot of the I think low-hanging fruit on the capacity side now restarted, and, and, and you know uh, everything's still very tight. So you know, typically one of the ways you solve for this um, is, is imports, and, and I'm wondering if you could just comment on um, why this time should be different uh, with regards to you know import flows being somewhat constrained, um, given that we're at record high regional premiums. I think there's very good reasons for it. I, I was just wondering if you could share your thoughts. Thanks. Well, again, from from our perspective, and there are those I, I saw some commentary of sort of questioning demand. Demand out there is absolutely phenomenal across almost every every sector. Um, very very strong, and it would appear to to be uh, there for the rest of this year, going into uh, into next. Um, as you mentioned. Most of the, uh, if not all, the, the, the reasonable uh, uh, production capability in the U.S. is, is returned. Uh, I, I think we, any further uh, additions will be limited. Um, there are sort of additions coming in uh, later this year. Uh, you know, ours will start uh, you know, shipments in the fourth quarter, as I said, but nothing, nothing major uh, on, on the. Uh, on the plus side, and it's going to be offset. In all honesty, if you if you look at the maintenance outages outages uh, in the integrated industry, and uh, uh, some shutdowns on the the mini mill side of things, supply side will absolutely remain tight. Uh, so it's great balance will support the market. 
the the issue in the past has been uh, import uh, uh, increases, and I, I don't think you see you're going to see material increase. It, it is picking up. There's there's no doubt about that. Uh, but you you've got a, a world a, a world economy. You know Europe is strong, uh, China is strong. Um, most markets are uh, in, in, in great shape, and so the import availability t- today is not there. You, you, you may get, uh, uh, you know, the arbitrage has become more tr- attractive, perhaps, on the surface, but the availability and the, uh, the lead times are, are stretched out, and very few people are going to want to take that speculative risk, um, you know, buying whatever, 1400 bucks today. Uh, just taking that risk for for that to to tumble later later in the year. We don't see that though. Um, so we see strong demand, tight supply, uh, record low supply chain inventories ac- across the space, uh, and I think uh, imports, uh, moderate levels of imports, that will be, continue to be supported by uh, the administration. Actually, uh, I, I think. The commentary relative to trade is, is very, very positive. The, um, they recognize that we've been at a kind of a financial war with China for a long time, uh, and they recognize the issues there. And I, I don't think that uh, uh, the 232 tariffs will be unwound uh, in totality. They may take a slightly different shape, uh, shape but trade constraint will remain in the, in the years ahead. So I, I think it's a it's a remarkable remarkable environment that we're in today, and I think it, it's just wherever you look, you know, anecdotally, um, you know, housing, uh, there there are no houses to be bought today. Uh, you saw you saw a pickup uh, in the uh, residential uh, markets uh, in, in March, and that will continue, and that's playing strength in uh, uh, you know HVAC and appliance. Um, if you go pl- try and buy a, a refrigerator today or a washing machine, you're probably going to have to wait four or five months for, for one that you, you actually want. Um, so just everywhere you, you look in the supply chain, things are stretched out uh, and will kind of prolong the, uh, these, these cycles. So we're, we're incredibly bullish. I mean, it's, uh, we had a phenomenal first quarter. I think uh, the second quarter is, uh, is going to be... Uh, Multiples of phenomenal, and it's going to be a great year. All right, that's helpful. Thanks for the uh, the additional color there. If I if I could just squeeze one more in as well, just switching back to what Teresa had said earlier about um, use of cash down the road, um, you know, transactional opportunities. I think um, you mentioned manufacturing business and or steel production assets. I'm not going to put you on the spot on assets or anything like that. Just the the, the question I'm I'm really wondering is. You didn't mention organic um, steel production. So is it reasonable to assume that um, organic steel production, incremental organic steel production is off the table for now? Uh, I would say uh, on the hot side, for, for sure. You know, downstream, coding, uh, value add, uh, there's still, I think, uh, a myriad of opportunities for us. Um, but if, if you look at sentence for, for that, that, that investment, uh, that project is is very 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 unique, um, both from a product standpoint, but also a, a sort of a market, a regional market standpoint, uh, and and that's what persuaded us to to move forward there. 
I don't believe there are those types of uh, uh, opportunities uh, avail available today. Um, yeah, if there's uh, there may be incremental where we'll take uh, existing um, hot metal capability and, and, and add assets to use that that existing capability, but I don't believe you'll see us. Well, I, I'm pretty sure you won't see us building green any more greenfield uh, uh, hot sites. Okay, that's helpful. Thanks very much. Thank you. Our next question has come from the line of Andreas Bachenhauser with UVF. Please proceed with your questions. Thank you very much. Uh, just a couple of questions from me, uh, and, and following up on the last comments, um, we obviously saw uh, flat growth steel shipments um, decline a little bit year on year. Uh, I think you hit 1.9. Um, you know, not significantly below, but is that because you know production constraints um, that uh, that uh, shipments actually fell year on year? Um, that's the first question. Andres, are you talking specifically about steel dynamics in our first quarter shipments? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it was a direct result of um, two of our steel divisions. We actually um, had improvement over all of our operations except for our Roanoke Bar Division and our steel West Virginia Division. Um, and there have been some uh, good improvements made there um, commercially, and the team's doing incredibly well, and they think you're going to um, see a, a big shift and change in that. Um, but that, that specifically, it wasn't anything that was um, noteworthy, and it was only about 25,000 tons different, I think. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's what I figured. Okay, that, that's very clear. And the second question, I mean, obviously, there's, there's been a lot of talk in the market in, in recent quarters about, you know, the tightness of prime scrap and how, you know, the prime scrap market is going to grow even tighter with, with the EAF capacity that's coming online and so on and so forth. And, you know, I'm sure you've seen some commentary, some people saying that, you know, EAFs are going to be the next high-cost producers in the market, and scrap prices are going to keep rallying, and so on and so forth. Um, wh wh where do you guys come down on all of this? I mean, effectively, is this just a question about you go a little bit further on the radius and basically collect a bit more prime scrap from other manufacturers, and then there's sufficient supply of prime scrap for anybody who's willing to go a little bit further, or, or do you see an actual amount of tightness uh, in the market, just given that, you know, manufacturing, especially auto production, is under pressure uh, in the years to come? Well, firstly, I, I would suggest that, um, you know, scrap is, a, is an incredibly efficient market. It's probably the most uh, effective commodity uh, um, out there. Um, I do believe that, yes, that there, there's additional capacity, electric arc furnace capacity come online. But if you do the math, you may need to find about uh, somewhere around 4 million tons of, of additional uh, prime scrap. Um, you also offset, have to offset that a little bit because it, um, people forget the integrated mills use uh, scrap. They use prime scrap. And so uh, with the redu reduced capacity there, there's a, there's a little less uh, uh, consumed on the on the um, Integrated side of things, but it, it, I think if you if you look at the the scrap market in general, you know we, we even in these recent times we're exporting, uh, you know around 12, 15 million tons a year. There have been times when we've exported 20 million tons a year. Uh, so scrap is is certainly uh, available. Um, it, it may appreciate in, in in price to some degree, but I, I don't believe you're going to see any significant uh, 
issues from from a profitability uh, or a cost perspective for um, the electric art furnace community. That is very clear. Sorry, go ahead. When we pulled together what we believe to be scrap generation over the coming years and we added in the new um, capacity related to electric arc furnaces, the scrap generation, um, both including prime scrap as well as prime scrap substitutes um, with a, a lot of the additional projects coming online, we believe are, will outpace the increased demand. And so I know there's a different philosophies being touted about out there right now, but um, that was our original premise and, and we still believe in that. Yeah, no, look, that makes a lot of sense, and, and I think your four million ton estimate is very much also in line with our own. So, uh, thank you very much for your comments. I think uh, actually, I, I, I one one more thing, uh, because uh, uh, as they say, necessity is the, the mother of invention, and given the, the the remarkable spread between prime scrap and obsolete today, um, our mills, and I'm sure our, our competition is doing the same thing, but uh, that they they are creating new mixes and the you know we we've actually reduced our prime scrap re requirements by over 10 percent, uh, maybe maybe more at our flat roller facilities. If the whole industry, electric arc furnace uh, flat roller producing industry, would to do that, obviously that that's a, a meaning meaningful uh, re reduction as well. Thank you for. Thank you. Our next questions come from the line of Carlos de Alda with Morgan Stanley. Please proceed with your question. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, just uh, on the fabrication business, um, I think last quarter uh, it was mentioned that the first quarter would be the bottom of the profitability cycle there. Uh, if I understood correctly, uh, Teresa, you said that, that this, this month will probably, from this month on, probably you start to see a margin expansion. So. Um, can you elaborate a little bit more um, so, so that we, we fully understand uh, where are we in the fabrication business uh, profitability cycle? Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Good morning. So from the steel fabrication, uh, we're likely to see March and April be the, the trough months as we are working through or have worked through the order backlog. Today, steel and uh, steel deck steel joists and steel deck prices are actually at all-time record highs, and demand is extraordinary. So um, one should see that um, start to develop. It's already into a record backlog that's reaching into the fourth quarter of 2021, and you're likely to see um, a, a better second quarter, but in the second half of the year, it could be quite um, powerful from an earnings perspective. Perfect. Uh, and if, if I may, just a clarification on the capex. Uh, it is not much, but but the the Midwest two new coded lines are expected to cost a little bit more than those in the in the south. Uh, what is the reason for for that? If if I may ask. Yeah, Carlos, it's actually opposite, and we may have said it wrong. The 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 two hundred twenty five million dollar lines are likely to be in the south. Um, and the 175 to 200 million do, uh, dollar lines are likely to be in the Midwest. Mark, do you want to talk about the, the technical differences between the, the sets of lines? Why one might be higher than the other? Uh, well, quite simply, one, one uh, has a slightly higher product capability. The ones in the south tend to have uh, some automotive capability, 
whereas uh, the one in the Midwest will be more building product uh, targeted? I think it has a little to do with the infrastructure that uh, possibly required as well. All right. Thank you very much. Good luck in the clutter. Thank you. Our next questions come from the line of Tim Tanners with Bank of America. Please proceed with your questions. Hey, guys. Good morning. I um, wanted to ask just really about production to follow up. So two things. One is your first quarter production, flat roll products, were down year over year. And I thought I heard you say that it was a result of Roanoke and West Virginia, which are long products. So I was kind of confused. I, I would assume, and I think the big question for a lot of people in the industry is, why are the mills not running full out given record prices? And um, yet you guys were down year over year and down from third quarter in flat roll. So just wondering, you know, what to think about that and how to model volumes going forward. Well, first of all, I'll just jump in. Uh, I thought Andreas was talking about shipments, not production. So if I got that wrong, that, that was my fault. Mark, do you want to talk about the production side of things? Uh, we, um, suffice it to say, Timna, that um, we, we are running um, as hard as we can at both um, Butler and at Columbus. Um, we aren't without some of our hiccups along the way as well, um, but we've um, rectified those and, um, yeah. I think, I think there's also an impact a little bit on the product mix and also on the shipments uh, from a standpoint of transportation logistics is a little tough right now. And we have we have greater opportunity for uh, shipments than um, uh, we actually ended up. But Okay, so upside from Q1, it sounds like. Um, thank you for that. And then um, on Sitton, I was looking through my notes, and I have a couple years ago, so maybe it's dated, but it, it, you had said pretty clearly and, and talked about being able to ramp up quickly. So we had modeled um, you know, a little more aggressive ramp up, to be honest, on Sitton. I have in my notes that you said within six months you'd be at 80% of that. So I'm just wondering, is there any reason for kind of the, the push out um, in timing and also just in the 2022 forecast, you know, you, you touted in the past an ability to ramp up quickly and talked about your track record doing so, but I, so I was surprised at 2.2 2 out of 3 million tons next year. Thanks. Well, 2.2, 2 2.4 2 million tons is 80% is of, uh, of a 3 million ton cap capability, Timna, uh, and I think um, the team hitting that will be a, a remarkable feat. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Our next questions come from the line of Phil Gibbs with KeyBank Capital Markets. Please proceed with your question. Hey, thanks. Good morning. Good morning. And Mark, can you talk a little bit about automotive? I mean, there's a lot swirling given the chip shortages and the downtime at the um, at some of the domestic and after producers, even globally. You said your shipments remain strong. Yeah, obviously, the demand side of equation is is very strong. To your point, so I'm, I'm just trying to trying to understand how this, you know, ultimately all plays out. Do you think the, the OEs, despite all this, were, were short on inventory? That's why they continue to take volume. Um, you know, maybe maybe just help us uh, think through this. Well, I think the, the sort of end demand uh, for, for vehicles today is, is, is incredibly strong, and the, the, the few dealers that I talked to, are struggling to, to get inventory and, and feel that it's uh, that that strength is going to remain for some time. Uh, I, I think they 
we're generally projecting somewhere between 17 and 18 million units for for the year. Uh, and the best pronostications are that uh, the chip shortage may may impact that by a, a million a million and a half. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, all I can say is, is, you know, through our lens, uh, and it's it's, it's quite uh, fortuitous, I guess. But the, the the plants that are down are not ones that we supply, uh, so we we have not seen any material uh, material impact uh, from a from a shipping standpoint. Um, we, we have seen a, a, a slight impact on the, the scrap side, so I think you're going to see, um, whereas we, we, we anticipated that softening a little bit, uh, you know, last month for this month, uh, I think prime scrap is probably going to be uh, firm, maybe up a little, uh, but then again, it's, it's too early to tell, you know, the, uh, the buy is still a, a couple of weeks out. Um, but no, no major impact uh, for us so far. Thanks, Mark. And then on the engineered bar side, you had a nice pickup in volume, uh, very strong sequentially and, and up nicely year on year. Yeah, how much of that do you think is driven by, by automotive? I can't remember how much of your mix there is, is, in, that, is in that silo. And yeah, how much is that do you think is related to, to, the, to the yellow goods commentary you made? Well, I, I think this is a a general impact, uh, you know, across the space. We, we've seen uh, a, a little greater activity uh, in sort of a seamless pipe for the for the energy markets. Yellow goods is stronger. Manufacturing is stronger. Uh, but I, I would say the, the, the principal growth and target for that growth there has been automotive. I think we're around about 20% of, uh, of, the, of the mix there right now. And if you remember some years ago, we, we installed, uh, you know, a smaller diameter mill. Uh, and that utilization is picking up quite dramatically. Thanks, Mark. And if I could squeeze in one more here, uh, lumber prices have been obviously astronomically high the last six to nine months. Steel prices have have followed the trend, um, obviously. I mean, how much how much uh, in, in some cases are you seeing substitution into steel, particularly as it relates to your fabrication book? And maybe some some other things as as competing products become more expensive as well. Thanks very much. Well, we've not seen any. Uh, at least I don't. I, I'm not aware of seeing any any uh, substitution threat right now. Obviously, all materials have come up together. Uh, but then again, you know, uh, steel products are, are quite unique, and to replace. Uh, in, in the, the steel warehouse space, where la uh, they want large spans, you obviously can't do that with uh, with lumber. You, you, you may see lumber substitution in uh, in high-rise build buildings um, in the past, um, but not not in the, the the growth area of distribution warehouses and, and that sort of thing. Thanks, Mark. That concludes our question and answer session. I'd like to turn the call back over to Mr. Miller for any closing remarks. Well, super. For those that uh, remain on the call, we certainly appreciate your time today and, and your support of, uh, of our company. Uh, for our employees, uh, again, hats off to you. It was an absolutely phenomenal quarter. Uh, and ask you to, to uh, look after each other out there uh, and, and be safe. 
And again, we wouldn't be able to have a phenomenal quarter without our customer base. Uh, we got some loyal, phenomenal people that we've worked with, that we've partnered with over the years. Uh, so thank you, uh, each and every one of you. And with that said, make it a great day and be safe. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, that does conclude today's call. Thank you for your participation. Have a great and safe day.